0: You're listening to Tara Lynn's A Geek Saga podcast. This episode features audio from a discussion panel that was recorded at DragonCon 2018. All right. Hi, everyone. Um, This panel is There Must Always Be a Stark at DragonCon. So um, just to kind of kick things off, I want to say we're going to do our best to focus on House Stark and, and those particular characters and, and most of the current timeline. But we might touch on on some historical stuff from World of Ice and Fire and whatnot. Um, but we are going to do our best to keep it as Stark-focused as possible. So please keep that in mind uh, when you hopefully have questions or comments that you want to make. Um, we do have mics. uh wireless mic so just raise your hand if you have a question at some point um i'm going to start this with introducing myself and my fellow panelists will then introduce themselves and we'll kind of get the discussion rolling and uh and then you know usually 15 20 minutes in, i'll open up the floor so definitely uh keep those thoughts and questions in your head so that uh we can actually have, like, a really lively discussion, okay? Um, So my name is Tara. I can be found across the web at A Geek Saga. I am an author and a webcaster, and I founded and continue to organize Ice and Fire Con, which was the first ever Game of Thrones Song of Ice and Fire convention in the States, um, and will be in our seventh year at the uh, end of April next year.
1: It's woo, so. woo, woo, woo. <laughs> a good number. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so Chloe, you want to you wanna start? Yeah. My slide. name's Chloe. Uh, I
1: am a, I write meta-analysis on Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire on Tumblr at liesandarbor.tumblr.com. I'm also a co-host of Girls Gone Canon, which is a literary podcast. We're covering A Song of Ice and Fire, Point of View by Point of View. We just started Ariane Martel this week, so we're really excited about that. Uh, and I also am the marketing director for Ice and Fire Con. Hey,
2: everybody. I'm uh, Andrew Dadesky. I'm a 6th, 7th year Dragon Con attendee. Um, and I am a um, staff or volunteer at Ice and Fire Con and co-host of the Stats Check podcast.
3: Hey, uh, I'm Alron Kong. Uh, this is my 10th year at DragonCon. First year, I have not snuck nice. in, so that's very exciting. <laughs> 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 I uh, am an author. I uh, write a seven-book series so far called uh, The Land, Chaos Seeds, and I am currently one of the top 100 authors on Amazon, and happy to be yeah, here. Nice.
0: So, again, we are here to talk about all things House Stark. And while there must always be a Stark at Dragon Con, there must always also be a Stark at Winterfell. <laughs> so, um, we'll start with the current timeline. But, like, I, I, I would love to get some discussion going on some historical Stark figures in a little bit as well. Uh, so, like I said, please keep, uh, keep those brains running. Don't make us talk the whole time. Um, so... What do you guys? Okay, let's let's go with this, uh, and and let's keep this as positive as possible. Who is your favorite uh, House Stark character from the current timeline? They don't have to be alive, okay? Because okay, right. that would be real. <laughs> well, I'm really distressed. <laughs> and narrowed it down quite a lot. Oh. oh look,
1: I just got that. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and already break the rules and make it favorites and make it two. Yes. Uh, I'm gonna go with a real strong Lyanna Stark and a real strong Sansa Stark. So Please send.
2: Such a cheater. I know. Um, I do what I want. I mean, obviously Sansa. But... Get a job. I would say, honestly...
4: (laughs) I broke Andrew but my job's done. Uh...
2: Obviously, uh, other than Sansa, Eddard was probably my favorite. I mean, he's obviously our introduction to the series, both in the books and in the show. And I think we identify with him and kind of his burdens over time. And the more you learn about Eddard, the more respect you have for him and what he's done and what he's gone through over the ages.
3: But why
2: do you betray him? <laughs> 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 You'd be nice. Uh,
3: I, I have to say, for me, it's Alia. Um, the fact that she was able to reinvent herself and be able to do it away from the Stark name and then come back and contribute something, and also was totally willing to beat the hell out of Sansa if she needed to, I respected that. <laughs> so that's kind of what it's all about. Uh, uh,
5: I,
0: for me, it's, it's Sansa, but I also... Um, we The family is so broad in in terms of how different all of these characters are. Um, you know, Eddard is, is... We only see him for... A portion of the first book you know most of it but not all of it and then he's gone uh but we get a pretty good picture of him because of his point of views uh the characters that we don't have point of views for um Probably. Actually, you know I, I I love Sansa so much, but I'm striking I'm striking Sansa as my favorite because you guys all like you both said her, so I'm saying Rickon now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> my my,
2: my dog is shaggy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but but so so we get point of views from most of the Starks, but we do not get them from Rickon or Rob. And that's obviously, especially with Rob, that is a very, you know, logical choice on Martin's part. He, you know, he's a character who is not meant to to live out the series he is the trope that uh, wasn't promised
2: so is that why he gets no love because i mean nobody mentioned rob or john as their favorite picks there i mean i
3: john is like so on the nose i mean you
2: know on the and what do you i mean like is he on the nose for like the the hero trope is that what you're saying yeah i
3: mean you know he's the the swarthy underdog that you know climbed his way to the top and is now possibly going to be you know the guy that ties it all together um i mean you could talk you could have like a whole conversation just about where you think he's gonna go with that um you know and i one of my favorite means is pros before hoes i feel like it was just very powerful i had Uh, that shirt for a while there you go (laughs) um but yeah i mean i just feel like he's the obvious like if there was anyone that had just peripherally watched it they'd be like oh yeah done um it's like saying like oh khaleesi's awesome i love Mm -hmm. giving. yeah
1: yeah, it's like saying a bowl of porridge is your favorite character, so. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Hey, 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 keep it nice, keep, keep it nice. It nice. Keep that was favorite savage. Favorite. <laughs> it's like Harry Potter's your favorite character, Harry Potter. That's all I'm saying. It's like, he, of course you like Jon Snow. It's about him, dude. Come on, let's move on. <laughs>
0: um, so, I, I, and again, we, we lose Eddard in the first book. We lose Rob and Catelyn um, in the third book. Uh, Spoilers. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but if you are here and you have not uh, at least at least watched through the last season of the show, you probably should not be in this panel. Um, but we, you know, and even the ones that we still have around, obviously, again, we don't get a Ricken point of view, but he's also not been around for a couple books, and we haven't really even seen that much <laughs> of Sansa and Arya recently. It's, or, it's, it's, Bran, really? or Bran, Or They only get two well,
1: chapters in like Feast and Dance. and You know, they don't get more than a handful of chapters. I mean, and then in the show even, they're just now combining. So we really miss out on them.
2: I forgot to even mention Bran. I yeah. mean, that's how much I care about. Well, that. Bran's my son, <laughs> and he
1: was up there,
0: but... Um dang dude so <laughs> mean to brand um, yeah.
1: but i guess i guess, I guess
0: this kind of ties into you know where do we think the ones who are still around where do we think their their future is going to take them uh, obviously in the show you know most of them have uh met back up at winterfell but like obviously in the books things are possibly probably not going to necessarily go exactly the same way <laughs> so um <laughs> In terms of that, what do you guys see for the the futures of these characters? I mean, whether it be books or show, um, I, and I guess we can kind of go off on both those tangents. So yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think?
1: Well, I guess let's break it by character, make it easier. Uh, it's interesting because there's a lot of stuff obviously book and show difference like Rickon we all know his dog is shaggy his wolf is shaggy a shaggy dog story so the big joke with Rickon dying is you know it just went nowhere he was gone and then came back and now he's gone maybe that's writing I don't know but uh, she's like no one knows but I mean right now in the books he's just been gone and he's on Skagos and whatever he's riding unicorns and stuff and, and he's having a good time right he's just yeah. being wild. Uh, so I do think we probably won't see Rick on in the end of the books make it through. I hate that. I really do. I, like, have a hope that we see him in the books, at least, on Skagos Alive. But I do worry we are going to lose him. I don't know if there's any spicy Rick on takes, but it's kind of like, what, where else? You know, I mean, he's not he's not going to come back to the fold because there's already, like, enough to... People like to push the idea of a stark civil war with Jonza and, you know... The whole thing of Bran coming back and he's the lord now. No, that's not going to happen. They're just going to be mm-hmm. happy to be together and not, like, dying or being abused or, you know. Yeah. They're all just going to come home. So I, I don't see Rickon coming back because his claim would kind of throw a big anchor in it with the, the northern lords and everything. They would have a big wrench right there. Yeah. I don't think he's coming
2: home. Yeah, I, I agree with that on Rickon. Um, I, and same with Bran. I mean, he's just going to become a tree.
1: Oh, uh. get out. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a thing.
0: Well, I mean, and and I like the point of uh, that when they get back together, you know, that there probably won't be some sort of like Stark civil war. That's not what this family has ever been about. You know, when when John receives the um, news that Rob has kind of named him the heir, he's like, but wait, Sansa, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, there's a whole, you know, argument that Rob made, well, she's married to Tyrion now, but like... John still first immediately thinks like if she wants it she can have it, um, and and I don't you know I don't think Arya wants to be at you know wants to be in Winterfell maybe but she is also changing and growing so much that. Even if she ends up back there, will she stay? And and she's, i certainly don't see her in that sort of like leadership posi- position. That's not the type of person she's ever been. So, yeah. I, what do you, what do you think? No, I mean I agree. Uh, Arya
3: and Sansa—I mean—they were able to come together at the you know recently, but I don't see them being compatible long term. I mean, they're very much again like Arya is individualistic, whereas Sansa is the kind of person who is sort of fitting the role of what her family was meant to be. And they're almost like, hey, oh, can you uh, make- oh, am I? Hello.
0: The mics are very okay. <laughs> yeah. You They're have to touching. like talk um, into yeah, them. Talk
3: to the mic. Okay, uh, so basically, I'm just saying I feel like uh, their life trajectories are are completely opposite. So where they would end up has to be like you know necessarily be different. But honestly, for uh, Rick and I, I always just kind of had this thought that like there's going to be obviously something horrible. Somebody might die possibly. Uh, and, um, but like, I'm just seeing him as like the guy at the end of like 300, that's got one eye left and he's telling the story. And then, you know, in the background, it's like 300 spots. It's good. I mean, like I just sort of see him, you know, finally like validating himself as just like, you know, jacked up on steroids after, you know, working out for forever. And then that's like the next thing. And it's like, tune in next week for a spinoff. It's kind, of uh, yeah, yeah. kind of what I saw.
0: Well, I mean, and there's, there's the whole, um, you know, the Brienne storyline where she, is spending all this time looking for Sansa and never finds her. And to be honest, like, how do we know that that won't be the way they go with Davos and Rickon, where he he searches but never really... or, Or runs into him, but it's kind of even... As, as much as I don't want to use the show as an example in this situation, like when Brienne mm-hmm. runs into Arya, mm-hmm. um, you know that that is something that could very likely happen happen with Rickon because he was already kind of wild, Fair wild child, Fair. 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 Yeah, yeah, and and now he's been like living on Skagos with unicorns and cannibals. I mean, right. who wants to go back to Westeros to and deal with <laughs> deal with like home accounts and and feeding, you know, yeah, feeding the peasants?
1: Yeah, well, especially because, like, in the crypts, like, when they were trying, you know, like, Shaggy Dog jumps out in the crypts in the book, and I think they do it in the show as well. It's been a while, uh, but Shaggy Dog jumps out, and it, it's explained in the books especially, like, you know, this wolf is wild. Like, Rickon, you need to control him. He needs to be chained up, and I think Rickon going to Skagos and being that wild child, that's either he's going to die or just never come back. That's There's nothing mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, like I said, you guys, if at any point anybody has a question or a thought or a topic you want us to touch on, just raise your hand and somebody will bring you a mic. I think we have one up front. I just want to make sure the people in the corners can hear. Yeah. This room gets a little dodgy. In the back. That. Oh, we got, we got one right here. Oh, sorry, sorry. You <clears throat> uh, uh? Okay. Who, Who's going first? <laughs> <laughs> who's going first? <laughs> catch it, catch He's it. Why are
5: you looking?
3: <laughs> no, one knows? So uh, I know there's a lot of like talk on like the web about like the Great Northern Conspiracy with regards to
2: the uh, okay. and all that. So like like you guys were saying that like Rick and Muck just might come back. So in terms of that storyline, do you think just like in the books he might like Davos might find
3: him, but he just chooses not to take part in that? Yeah, there, so there, kind of there's a do. lot of ways that could go. So we're saying that,
2: you know, he could come back where, you know, he goes to Skagos, and Davos goes to Skagos, just doesn't find him. Davos goes to Skagos, and he's super feral, and says, you know, hey, I'm not coming back, or he's already eaten my cannibals. I mean, any of those possibilities. <laughs>
1: well, and also, why would Rickon want to, right? So he's in the books right now. He's five, maybe six. So... I mean, this war and all of this, you know, like, king this, king that, that tore his family apart. It's even said in the books. Rob says, you know, like, mother, he doesn't even know you anymore. Like, you need to be with your sons to his mom. He's like, they need you. They don't even know who you are anymore. Rickon walks around going, like, where's mom? Where's dad? So... When he's old enough to even grapple with it, why would he want to return to that institutionalism? You know, why would he? He's he's never had a want to rule. He never, after losing his family like that, why would he? He's just been hanging out with wild people on the Mm -hmm. island, you know, surrounded by like obsidian and uniforms. I'd stay there. (laughs) And I
2: I think that's an important one, you know, the the influence of the people who he's with. So he's got this substitute mother figure, you know, who's teaching him this independence, this free thought, this doing what you want, you know, going off. It's just like, you know... just like Egrette was trying to convert over John, except for he was already fully formed. He was through into his teenage years. This is way before in your formative years when you're much more vulnerable to being convinced to going off and doing something cray-cray.
1: But I do want to see him, like, with furs all over him, like, running around with spear in his hand on top of Shaggy Dog riding around. Like, that would be cool. I'd like to see that. I hope we see that. That'd be neat.
0: Well, and that that actually kind of goes into a good point that uh the older John and Rob especially, they they were formed by their interactions, you know, particularly with Eddard um, as their father fig father father figure. Um so but the younger ones, they were taken away that was all taken away from them so so young. I mean, even Sansa, she is very much influenced first by Cersei, um, and then eventually by Marjorie, and currently by Littlefinger. Um, Arya is, uh, influenced by Yorin and, um, you know, then just later her general experiences in just the hell that she lives in at Harrenhal and then by Sandra Clegan and now kind of being clearly, you know, groomed by the, the House of Black and White. Um, and, and, you know, Bran. On the other hand, he he was he was good for a while in the sense that at least he had the reeds, But you know now he's he's got, uh, Bloodraven in there, mm-hmm. kind of teaching him the ways of the weirwoods. So what? Um, I guess which which characters do you guys think were influenced? Uh, were there were there were any of these positive influences or are they all just kind of negative influences and that when these kids come back together, you know, they're going maybe they won't mesh as well as, as we'd hope.
2: But an influence is what you take from it. Right. I mean, even a negative influence can be a positive influence. I mean, it's something where you learn a lesson and you're able to interpret that and turn it around. That's the whole thing with, you know, Sansa is that even though she's dealt with one good character and two despicable characters that she's learned from. Um, you know, she, she, she's able to turn that into stuff she can use for a positive. Let that slide.
1: I'm gonna let that good. slide,
2: Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Sa- same, with, same with Bran, who's had to deal with some unsavory characters as well, mm-hmm. and he's turned that around. Uh, I mean, I, I agree that, you know, when you're talking
3: about like the positive or the negative influences, it's like, so what is positive, what is negative? Obviously, it's not based on, like, you know, these sort of influences or the judgments that we have now going through this for me it's like if they're still alive that's pretty positive it's like you know because they've (laughs) kind of made it through um and i mean even like some of the most reprehensible characters they were learning and it still slaughtered you know an insane amount of people to then still survive um i don't know i feel like that's like the one sort of like common thing that he's saying is like if you're living you're doing something right
1: I think there are things, like, each kid obviously has, if you look at them from, like, a barrel scope, you know, and you go, okay, Sansa's obviously the kid that's learning politics in the family. Arya is the one that's getting advanced training in swordsmanship and fighting and obviously being a sick assassin. Not good for, like, a child murderer thing, but, you know, we'll get on that. Uh, (laughs) You know, just a little trauma. What's a We need a little trauma in the evening on a Saturday, right, guys? You look at each one has a certain thing. Bran obviously has this huge wisdom. Now he's becoming a tree, as we've said. He's being able to see everything that's ever happened or could happen or any variable in time. Uh, I was gonna say in time and space, but you know, (laughs) not not so much. But you look at how they're influenced by these people. Sansa is taking her people that are influencing her, and she's learning. Kind of what not to do. Uh, she's seeing their mistakes, especially in the villains. I mean, we can outright say that Littlefinger is a villain, and Cersei is not a good person. She's a very flawed and lovely, and she's a better villain, uh, besides like the murdering her friend and all that. And you know, there's a couple of things there, I guess, whatever. But I love that slide. very sad. But I mean, they're just these, they take these influences. you obviously, okay, House of Black and White, maybe not the best thing for like a 10 year old girl, right? Like maybe maybe not the best influence, but she is learning from that and she's not... A lot of people think, oh, she's becoming no one and she's going to be an assassin forever, but there's so many passages and even moments in the show where Arya sticks to her home. They all stick to the north. Even Bran. People think he might stay in the cave forever with Bloodraven or people think Bran's going to become a villain and that's silly. Bran is a little boy who loves his family and misses home and just is misguided by wrong people, which is kind of what all of them are doing.
0: Yeah, with... with. Um with Arya especially the the one uh, passage like where she she refuses to let go of Needle. Like that's how you know she's, that's going to come back. They're not going to forget that she left Needle in the staircase. Mm -hmm. And I mean um, it's great
1: because they all love each other. She even thinks to herself, you know, like it was, she talks about how Needle was Jon Snow's smile. Of course, we can all get sad for a second. Uh, (laughs) But I mean, she even says, it's even Sansa so I mean yeah. their family they all love each other and they will the ones that can get back together will get back together it's not about Stark against Stark it's about being together and not being that lone wolf and surviving the long night when it comes
0: right, we have a question over here
1: um,
6: going off of that and kind of the influences there have what do you think about the fact that uh, I mean obviously John's dead but the rest of them having kind of twisted parallels of their parents Youth, so Sansa is up in the Eyrie, but she's with Peter Baelish, who hung out with Catelyn when she was a kid. And uh, Aria tracked across the Riverlands, her mother's home, but with a sort of Brachian. And Bran tracked way up north instead of way down south with reeds, like Ned did when he uh, went and found Baby John. So, what do you think about those kind of parallels?
2: Martin is big on parallels. Sometimes he's very on the nose. I mean, one of the novellas that he, he just wrote, you know, he had a guy who was named Davos, who you know had severed fingers and an un- onion sigil, You know, and he had a, a, another character called Sam Tarley, who was ferocious and a good warrior. So he sometimes is on the nose. So I'm. It's not above Martin to make those comparisons and juxtapositions, even if they're kind of obvious.
1: At a WorldCon a few weeks ago in Texas this year. Uh, he said something someone asked him a question asking you know what makes you do these parallels like how deliberate are they do you sit there and think oh I'm so clever you know and do them but George even has said you know no that's that's how it should be written. A good writer should write those things into his story. He should take into the idea of background and history. I mean, and there are so many <coughs> different start characters from history. Like, there's John L. One-Eye, who was, ended up, you know, commanding in the Night's Watch, or not commanding, sorry. He ended up having family that <coughs> command in the Night's Watch, but he stayed off and he became the Lord of Winterfell, and then he married his niece, Sansa Stark. Like, there's all these weird parallels in their history where George just goes back and forth on it. So uh, it's really cool that he pulls the parallels, and the other thing that it kind of pulls is that These kids, the story, it transcends being about these big characters. Yes, we love crazy Cersei chapters and scenes in the show, right? Like, she's crazy. We love that. We love seeing these villains, you know, fail or win just because it keeps the story moving on and it keeps things happening for our protagonists. But the story isn't really about those villains. It's about the kids. It's about what they become, what they build after this war against the others. It's about... You know, John, Sansa, Arya, Bran, resettling the gift, something Ned could never do after the long night. It's about all these different ideas of what the future could be in making a better world for them, that they don't have to live in this awful, feudal society like their parents did. You know, be sold off like broad mares, or have to, like, lie to keep your sister's son safe. You know, it's not, it's about fixing that. And so I think what's really important to keep in mind is that those parallels show you know, Sansa's stuck with a creepy jerk, and she has to overcome that and be more astute than him, which she will have. And <laughs> cry about it, Andrew. And <laughs> I mean, it's just about getting to that point, and I think that's really what the story kind of harnesses in these kids. It's not about Cersei or Littlefinger. It's not about Jamie. It's not about those people. It's about these kids.
3: Um, I have nothing more to
2: add. To <laughs> <laughs> oh, we gotta, Sorry, oh. there's a couple. There's one in the back
3: Okay, so going back to talking about Brand being just a little kid and this is his
2: family, and you know, you said that he wouldn't stay with Ludwig forever, how do you,
1: I love that chapter, by the way, and that passage. It's a really good passage. Uh, Melisandre in the books, she gets her one point of view chapter for the first time, which is an awesome chapter because we were all just like, "What Melisandre chapter?" And you just get all this insight where before. And George loves to write like this, that you know, you don't. Sometimes you just see the villain from off screen and they look flawed, right? Like you don't know if they're a villain, if they're good, if they're bad. You don't know their motives, and it turns out Melisandre just has some faith in a wrong place or doesn't interpret it right. And I don't think. I mean, that vision, she sees them. That's them, they're all connected. I'm sure we don't know, obviously, the real wits of the magic, but they're all kind of connected, right? Like, the Weirwoods and the Red God, they're all seeing certain things, and a lot of it is through blood magic, obviously, is big. So it all kind of weaves in connects somewhere in that Weirwood net. And I do think she was probably just seeing them while well, they were seeing stuff in the net. you know? Mm-hmm. That's where I really think it comes in. They're both just on CCTV at the same time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Hi
1: guys.
4: Oh, hi guys. Um, awesome. oh. <laughs> um, So I've struggled a lot with these books. This is really the book series um, where I really like some of the villainous characters, and I normally don't. But I've really struggled personally, specifically with, like, Jamie Lannister and his journey in the books and all this point of new chapters. that, wow, I really like him, and then strong dislike, and then, damn, I hate him. I really like him. So yeah. just, have you guys also related to that at all?
2: The Jamie is one of my, my favorite characters in the books, and, and obviously he's much different in the books than in the show. Um, but, I mean, that's that's a similar struggle, and we see that with a lot of characters that they're kind of, you know, they have these moments where you really identify with them, you really connect with them in their struggles, and you're like, Wow, this is really real, like, you know, you feel this and you're like, Well then how the F did you turn around and do this other crazy thing?
0: And, I I think that also like you we have to keep in mind like characters like Catelyn who are kind of universally like yeah. there's a lot of people that dislike Catelyn. Um only I, cat, I though, like, only cat. like I'm I'm not a mom. I don't have that sort of maternal instinct. So when I first when I first read Catelyn's cat- chapters, it was kind of like, ooh, Uh, I guess this is okay. But, like, the the more I read the books, not just, like, you know, I kind of liked her throughout them more and more the first time I read them, but in subsequent rereads, she really, like, grows on you, which I think a lot of these characters do. And she's not a villain necessarily. She was never a bad, you know, a bad character, a bad person, whatever. But... Um, there, there is a lot of that, like, and I think that speaks to Martin's writing. I, I think Sansa's probably also a good example for maybe not me because I loved her from the start, but like mm-hmm. a lot of people have to grow to like Sansa. Um, have to I remember I, she's
1: eleven, and
0: and, and that that right. speaks so much to George Martin's you know character development, and uh, and of course the Starks are kind of also like like Jaime and so many other characters shoved into these situations where they're forced to have these sort of just beautiful arcs, um, whether they're beautiful in like a sad, disastrous way, like Arya maybe, or uh, you know, like, like even, even Sansa. She's not in the greatest, safest place right now, but she's still come leaps and bounds from you know, who she was at the beginning of the series. Um, personally, Jamie is always
3: one of my uh, favorite characters because he, he felt like one of the most real. Uh, he had one sort of defining moment in his life that changed the trajectory and changed how basically the entire world looked at him and how the entire world treated him. And then, so it's like, okay, so what would one of us do if we had to fill this role? Would you sort of just fly in, or like fall over? Or would you be like, all right, well, I guess I'll live up to this role now and then live through it. And when you look at it from like that screen, it, you kind of see the justification for what he did. Yeah, he's still a dick, but at the same time, you're like, well, what were kind of the other options? Especially when you look at the other influences and the fact that he's one of the sort of, you know, leading powers of the known world. Um, so I mean, yeah, I I get what you mean back and forth, but like also it felt like it made it more real for me than a lot of the other characters, um, personally.
1: Yeah, they're all very gray. I mean, that's how George writes these characters, right? They're not, I mean, like we said, Cersei, you love to hate her, but you read her chapters and she's very sympathetic. You realize why this person has become this way. And George is really good at writing those traumas. Like, why Ned didn't do the political thing you think he should have done and keep his head... You know why you know Ned got screwed over in the end, as we know. But you look at his past traumas and things that have happened to him, and like you realize, oh, that guy's traumatized because he had to go to war and kill a bunch of people, and then go have his sister die in his arms. So and like get promised to take on this huge weight of the whole entire nation of having this secret Targaryen child bastard. We don't know, whatever. Uh, okay. We we don't know. We don't really know. It's not canon yet. And <laughs> but so I mean, you look at the things that influence those decisions and how those people act, kind of. I mean, he writes gray characters. No one is, except maybe Euron, like 100% evil. <laughs> Everyone else is just like, like okay, Victorian Greyjoy, kind of just dumb. But, like, you know, everyone's flawed.
2: Yeah.
0: Do we have we had other questions, other Where questions? is it next? Yeah. Oh, Hi, we got, question. where's the mic, like, yeah.
6: Um, I was just trying to get your attention it's, oh. it's a comment and a question um, so my comment is that I'm a firm believer that John and Sansa will fall in love and get married um, <laughs> Everyone makes fun of me for this. I had a bet going on with my dad, and I think you there's a lot girl? of evidence supporting it in the book, the TV show, no. the TV show, and the books. The books. I could go. talk about that for a while, but I won't. Oh
1: no! Every um, girl in the world is standing up right now, guys. <laughs> 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 we
5: all
6: know. And my and um, my question is, I think I heard something about the original Sansa Stark, maybe the one that married her uncle, um, but that she was the prize to be won in this tournament. And the suitors were all from these great houses.
2: I got to fix You
1: got that. Um, So that's a different, it kind of gets pretty stacked up. There's so many different things in the books. But that's a different theory. Um, Johnza, it it sounds unappetizing. If you don't like it, I get it. I don't think that they'll fall in love love first. It's gonna be a very political marriage because Sansa is the key to all these kingdoms, right? So she's right now where her father grew up, and the only other choice in the veil is Littlefinger. So Which is a great choice.
2: Up. Solid choice. Uh, <laughs> so, Good job.
1: You know, <laughs> with her. Oh right? Um, so obviously it's like, okay, if you had to choose between someone who's been learning to be politically astute who is, you know, valiant Ned's other precious little girl, uh it's a great place for her to be and a great place for her to try to use to come home from is the Vale. Uh but she she knows the people of Vale now, she's going to know the people of Vale. She would have claims on pretty much there. Uh, Riverlands could go into disarray to rent depending on who dies, who lives, who et cetera, which that's you know every day. <laughs> she has obviously a great claim on the north, whether or not she was forced into a marriage with Tyrion Lannister against her will at age 12. And jot that down. Uh, <laughs> just making sure we all remember. So John, being revealed as a Targaryen or a Targaryen bastard, does put his legitimacy as a ruler or a leader in the north or wherever he ends up kind of into question when that gets revealed, right? So I can see, especially with the cat and Ned parallels with them too, obviously, of uh, learning to be in love, binding together to recreate the nation after it's all destroyed. But I think if it happens, it's not going to happen until like Dream of Spring very the <laughs> end of it. There's so much that's going to happen. So I don't think we would see a lot of it, but it's totally possible. On the that it's the Ashford theory, what you were referencing. and uh, That's basically that there was a turning at Ashford where the daughter of House Ashford, uh, for her name day, they basically were having a tourney, and there were five suitors in the row, is what we're saying for sons, that match up, that the people that ended up being defeated... Oh my god, how does it start off, Tara? It starts off with... I can't remember remember which one, but it's basically... There's a Baratheon, there is a uh, Baratheon, a Tyrell, a Lannister. It basically ends with a Targaryen boat. And so a lot of people take that theory and think, like, oh, is Sansa going to end up getting with fake Aegon? That would be a great thing for the North, but there's no way. We all know what's going on there. Let's be real. he's getting with Arianne Martel. and they're all going to die. And, <laughs> and it's just what happens to Martells in this story, you guys. And it's sad, but it's true. Uh, so Sansa, though, people think could maybe get with... John from that, which that could be a thing, but like I said, George doesn't deliberately write this to be like, all the time, this is what's gonna happen. Sometimes he does, but I don't know if he'd be too on the nose with that one. I don't know.
0: Well, and I think it's also important to keep in mind, and this is something we talked about in our uh, Targaryen panel yesterday, that the people of Westeros are not into the incest guys. Like yeah. that, that that. that, that while I there might a be a thing idea, in the end where some people who are related end up together, like it is really important to remember that I don't think that's going to change. I don't think, and I'm not just talking about the faith and the faith militant and everything. I'm talking about the generally the people of Westeros. They never were really into the whole sister wives thing.
2: Right, but they, they're they're technically in this case assuming the, the parentage goes the way it, it's shown to go they're cousins which is okay i mean tywin lannister married yeah, his joanna. cousin joanna is his cousin so that first cousins is okay we're we're on west virginia rules. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no offense west virginians uh was there another question yes hey, who's hey, is next hey uh
2: you all seem to agree that Ray next is
3: is never coming back right and then in, in the next breath you said the show is all about the kids how they come back together and fix things. How do you square those two concepts together?
1: I mean, that's the thing—is especially talking on povs. So Rickon—it's also like, so what happens if Rickon comes back? I, especially with the Shaggy Dog story, it all points that way that he isn't going to come back. But it is about the kids. So yes, Rickon exists-ish, but—and <laughs> I love my small feral son so much. I do. He's just. Uh, Oh, there's that part. I was watching. Okay, full levels. Watching some like Game of Thrones fan made music videos earlier, right before I came here. I was like, let's have a glass of wine and relax (laughs) and get sad about how stark. There's that line in the show, which the actors in the show are like the best part about the show, right? Can we all agree? Like that's they're so good. And Rickon, his actor. Oh man, there's that line where he says, you know, I'm your brother. I'm supposed to protect you, to to to, Brandon. It's like you're just this little child, this little such tragic child it's like nah there's so many starts we gotta kill a couple off is what i'm saying yeah. story-wise i mean <laughs> as sad as i am what i'm saying i really just sound a little sociopathic sorry no, i'm really sad at <laughs> one moment
2: and you have to be you have to be worried about the future of this house you're yeah. not worried unless you're starting to see the something airs on drop. The line.
1: Yeah. something on the line yeah something on the line yeah uh, who's next um oh, oh, oh,
3: segue from that um, do you think we'll see the Battle of the Bastards in the
1: book, and how will it play out if it does? Stannis wins. <laughs> so, so
2: I think like the Manderleys with their like heavy amount of heavy horse. It's commented on how they have a lot of cavalry mm-hmm. could perform the exact same maneuver yeah. that they did with the Vale knights. Yes. Well, I
3: mean more. I mean more like, do we think? Do you we think we're going to see a conflict between Jon and Ramsay? No. No, not, no, dead. not That's more of the point. Yeah. <laughs> Who's <laughs> Jon Snow? Does anyone know who this Jon
2: guy is? <laughs> we got one over there on the right. Um, we're all assuming that John's going to actually come back, so I was wondering, if you're informed, like, what so if he comes
3: back that's something else? Mm. loony panel. Do
0: you have any thoughts for that? I mean, he's definitely going to be changed, so I don't know, what do you... What do you?
3: I never assumed that he'd come back in a different body. Uh, I, mean, I mean, like, a, a soul change, yet. Yeah, I mean, definitely. No, I mean,
1: what if his body dies, but he, like, you know, like, like warps like, whatever, whatever it is
3: another. No, a wolf I, or something like that. Yeah, I... I
2: I, that never occurred to me. I, maybe it occurred to everybody else. That's like a life after death thing. <laughs> yeah. wargs, you, can, you can go in your work In mere Six Skins, that, that chapter goes into how you can kind of transport yourself there. And I, I think that's part of the sort of logic behind him kind of re- remaining more close to himself than, let's say, a Lady Stoneheart or a Beric Dondarrion <laughs> that doesn't have that working ability. So he's able to go into ghost for a little while, get resurrected, and come back and be largely the same dude.
1: Uh, something George did say in an interview is that, so there are two types of, like, revived whites. There's an ice white, obviously, we know, from the north, which is ice white, animated dead person. And then there are fire whites. And that Catelyn Stark, Lady Stoneheart in the books now, is a fire white. So when she was revived through her lore, she came back as a fire white. So more than likely, I mean, we know the ingredients that are around the wall-ish right now, and Melisandre will do some sort of magic and you know presto whatever and wave her wand bippity the john and um, <laughs> but he, I do think an important thing is that he will probably warg into ghost. I mean, that was why give us that Veramir chapter in that book and say, hey, like, let's all talk about warging animals when you die, and then John dies at the end of the book, like, okay, come on, George, he's you. And <laughs> <laughs> so I think that is something, though. I do think that's the way he'll probably come back of some sorts. Roughly, you know, like Melisandre ghosts, the important stuff. So <laughs> Who's,
0: uh, um, over here, works, a couple, I think. Yeah.
4: So I guess this is a good one to, this question is a good one to segue into, because we just talked about working, but obviously in the books we see not only Bran, but also specifically Arya and Jon warging, um, and I believe George R. R. Martin has stated that all of the Stark children have the power to do it, yep. so do you think that that, obviously it was left out of the TV show, but do you think that's a plot point that will come up later in the books? Oh yeah,
2: yes. For the books,
0: yes. Um, yeah, I I mean, I I honestly even, you know, we don't know for sure that it's never explicitly stated that Rob warged, but there's enough of like the rumors that fly around, uh, you know, about what was happening on his campaign and, and how him and, um, Grey Wynn, like, acted in concert so much of the time uh, that it's it's pretty obvious that something was happening there, possi- probably, definitely not on Brand's level, possibly not even on John's level, but something was happening. And then, of course, you have the whole idea of, like, will Sansa be able to even do it because she lost, lost Lady? Lost um, I think there's, it, I, correct me if I'm wrong, There, I, I feel like there's a moment, like, a little bit of a second of a moment um, when she's with the, like, old dog... Uh, mm. In, in, uh, w- at, yeah, no, not in the, yeah, she's yeah, the, fingers with, she the fingers, with the fingers with, with, yeah. little finger. Um, you know, there's like a little, there's a little bit of a moment, uh, where you can see that the possibility might possibly still be there. Yeah. Um, so like, I guess it, with her, it would depend on whether or not she's ever even put in that sort of,
1: and she does have like dreams about running with lady, even after her death. So that's kind of interesting. And then there is this really tinfoil theory. So shout out. If you like tinfoil theories tomorrow night, there's a fun loony theories, uh, the panel, but I'll lightly mention this. Won't go into the specifics. That maybe she skin changed Sandra Clegane during the
0: Blackwater. No one knows. knows? <laughs> I'm. I'm, yeah, oh, not I'm not leaving that. that, 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 that so I'm not gonna, gonna touch that. that yeah. It's okay. For me, it wasn't for you, Andrew.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, <know. laughs> I Kinda
3: even like got my head around that concept. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Just
4: saying. <laughs> uh... okay. yeah. So uh, sidestepping off of the star children and their ability to. Um, Work. What do you guys think about the theory that uh, Rob warped into Graywind right before his death, since that was his last words, and then he had, or like he felt Greywind's death like before he died.
2: I definitely think it's possible, but uh, you're getting into a Vermeer six skins that if you warged into Grey Wind and Grey Wind was immediately killed, I mean, that pretty much ends Rob there. And then, okay, yeah. and then once again, if you go back to the chapter, <laughs> you see that eventually your sanity would pretty much decline to the point where you are that animal. So
1: you're just trying to depress me more, is what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. That's, that's fun for, for me. That is right. my life right. Oh, that's cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> my, oh, oh right.
4: She's so, I read in an interview that uh, one of the characters who had died in the show but was still alive in the books has a major role to play in the future. And I was reading that uh, one of the theories is that Stannis, uh, if it is Stannis, or the character
6: that he's referring to is, um, if it is, what role do you think he's going to have to play in the North of the
5: Starks and everything game since that whole storyline
2: is completely different in the books? The one true king of Westeros, obviously. Stag,
4: stag,
0: stag, stag, Stannis, the Starks. <laughs> How do, you, how do you feel about Stannis? <laughs> I,
3: I was never a fan.
5: Oh. Oh, no. I, 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 I didn't Get
3: really. Get him out of here, Raph. I, I didn't feel overly, overly connected. And wow. the idea that there's, um, you know, like the one true king, it's, it's all based. It's like, all right, I don't want to go political. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it's all based on like the theory of like, no, we discovered this. And it's like, yeah, but there were people here. Um, so it's like, you know, what, what, what is the real validation and how far back you go? So I feel like it was almost like a joke that, you know, Martin was always sort of playing, saying, like, oh, yeah, this is validation. We're obviously the only ones that can do this. Uh, I, I always thought it was a joke, but I know that, like, I'm not,
1: you know. Well, and the show there. did a huge disservice to Stannis. I mean, he, they completely, they kind of, like, obviously, I mean, the show flatlines and one-dimensionalizes these characters. Yeah. We know yeah. that. That's, it's TV. Uh, They're just boobs and dragons. And, but, and that's fun. We all like those things, right? Like, that's a good thing. I'm not against those things. But Stannis, I mean, in the books, he has a definite defined arc where in the show, they didn't really know what to do with him. And they had to just, I mean, the fifth season, the biggest thing about the fifth season was it was adapting A Feast for Crows and Dance with Dragons, but also like not at all, and cutting it in half so that they could just move on, which is the only way they could. They do really well when they just make stuff up. So they should just do that more. And actually, they do really great when they follow the books, too. So it's really hard. They should just do one of the two. Um, or two. Do two. I don't care. Whatever. I'm not making the money. Um, but is like, in the books, he is the king who cared. He's the one who he realizes, you know, to get instead of trying to go win the throne, he should save the north to win the realm, not, you know, save get the throne to win the realm. And it's just, you know, he realizes he's back as kind of. He's got to put the cart in front of the horse, not the opposite way. And I think he's, I would really love to see him as, like, the next Lord Commander. I don't think he'll live through the whole books. I think he will die. Uh, He's going to burn Shireen. I mean, we know he is. Let's get real. Somehow, even if the decision's made by Melisandre, he allowed it. It's like how Rhaegar, you know, let Elia and the kids die. He's the worst. And (laughs) so Stannis will, though. I mean, I think he's going to be a force against the Long Knight. He will go out, you know, with his fake... Uh, beautiful Lightbringer, and he will go out against the dead. And I would love to see him be the ninety ninth, and maybe see someone like, you know, I don't know, Jorah or Jaime be the thousandth Lord Commander.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and touching on like with him being where he is in the North right now, he. Either he's going to just up and die, which I don't really think is going to happen, or he's going to be key in retaking Winterfell from yes. the Boltons. Oh, yeah. Um, so, like, there must always be a Stark in Winterfell, but uh, there might be a Baratheon that puts them there. Yeah,
1: well, and that's what he's trying to do right now with right. Jon. You know, right. he's like, Jon, you should take Winterfell. You can have it. I'll marry you to <laughs> It'll be fun. John's like, I don't know about Mr. Stannis. So, <laughs> gee, sure. My dad dabbed that I'm looking for his approval still. might be like that. Aww. Aww, yeah, we got that. sad. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. okay.
4: Okay, She's not wrong. So back to the books and with Arya. It's, it's been uh, a while since I've read the book, so I don't know maybe I'm going to get something wrong. But from what I remember, a fake Arya is sent to do you remember? a fake Arya is sent off with Ramsay to go get married and we just presumably know that like kind of Ramsey knows that it's not a real Aria. Everybody else doesn't really know that it's yeah. not a real Aria. And I don't remember if Sansa knows if it's not a real Aria. It's like her childhood friend. I think like Jenny it's Jane, Poole. Uh, Jane Poole. Jane Poole. Yeah. Jane Poole, okay. Yeah. Who deserved better. Yep. Um, but I just wanted to let you, or ask what you thought about that and what that would mean if, you know, they do get married and like everyone's like, oh, well he married,
0: a star. Yeah. Well, I mean, they they she are married is. in the books. They yeah. do get married, yeah. Like like kind of uh, I mean, dance with dragons. Right? Yeah, dance, so.
1: dance
2: with dragons, dragons, but she also ends up escaping, right? With, right. with Reek, aka Theon Greyjoy. So
1: they uh, where they are coming up, like they're on the run. They escaped, but and poor Jane Poole, she was you know sex trafficked by Littlefinger and Cersei. Just want to put that out there, and uh, made to work in Littlefinger's brothel. Uh, she has whip marks up and down her and scars. She is Basically, it's the opposite of, you know, she you look at Theon, who always wanted to be a Stark, which Theon should really be talked about, too, in this. He was a Stark child. He always wanted to be a Stark. Jane always wanted to be a Stark. She grew up in the shadow of Sansa and Arya and that family. They all grew up in this place, in the shadow of this family. And Jane Poole, you know, gets to be a Stark in the worst way. Right? She's sex trafficked, she's made to marry a monster, uh, she suffers horrible abuse at his hands, she escapes with Theon right now, her nose, she's in the north, her nose has frostbite, the tip of her nose is falling off and she has frostbite. Um, you know, it's just like the most depressing, like worst plot in the whole entire universe, so uh, even though that legitimizes, it, it kind of, they shot themselves in the foot no matter what, because even if she gets found out, which is probably going to happen soon, that she's not Arya Stark, they Ramsay's just going off the idea that no one's going to care anyways it is what it is we have the name now it's good enough they, her wedding dress had Stark stuff on it you know they really wanted to you know make the claim known that now there's a Stark there but Stannis is going to find that crap out real soon like real yeah. soon it's about to happen any day else,
2: yeah so. and, and none of it matters if Stannis wins and takes back yeah. yeah I'm just
4: starting to remember like the scene in the book yeah. like, where she jumps off like I read it back yeah. in 7th grade it's been a very yeah. long yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> you
2: know, it's been a we're all waiting <laughs> yeah
0: we have Push, oh. somebody else have a yeah. microphone. Oh, Where's a microphone? We have a microphone? Oh. We've got hands up, but okay. no okay. microphones Sorry. yet. Oh no, here we go. Here
5: we go. Um, so we've
6: talked a lot about the current generation of Star Kids and Beyond. Definitely should be included in that. But what about the previous generation? Like, I mean, a little bit about Ned, but like Benjamin, who's
1: you
5: know still kicking somewhere
6: up north, <laughs> doing the Lord's work, and, um, <laughs> and Liana and her secrets and terrible life. Mm. Any thoughts
2: about them? I mean well, they many. Yeah, there's, there's lot there's lots of stories that could be told about that generation and you kind of see that once again reflected in the younger generation. You see Liana in like the you know in Arya, you see that reflected in the same way. And even in Brandon, you know, who was the wild wolf who, you know, went down, screamed at you know, went to King's Landing and pretty much said, Come at me, bro, you know, and he got killed. You know, so you see all these reflections going forward, and I think that's that's important. And it shaped Ned, and Ned shaped these children. So I think that's really, really important for you to focus on, that all these generations shaped what is today.
1: Yeah, I mean, look at Brandon is a straight kind of, you know, you look at Rob and you look at John and you look at Brandon and Ned, you think about Ned, there's this passage in the books where Ned thinks bitterly, you know, it was all meant for Brandon. All of this, Catelyn, Winterfell, like Brandon was supposed to be a lord. I just was supposed to get to go, you know, like hang and do, I guess, whatever. Maybe go to the bail, maybe just like, do whatever Robert wants to do. You know, like hang <laughs> out, I don't know, like just whatever, just chill. Uh, my siblings really messed it all up for me. Uh, I do think something big about Benjen that gets great glazed over a lot is Benjen knew. Just putting that Benjin knew about Liana and Rhaegar. We get this scene uh, at the turning at Hall in the books where, you know, Benjin makes fun of Liana for crying at Rhaegar's song because Liana is actually a really big agglomeration of Arya and Sansa together. You know, she represents all of the most, you know, like I love songs and I love harpists and pretty princes, but I'm also like I wanna play with swords, and boys are also idiots. But which didn't go so well for her, obviously. <laughs> But th- with Arya and Sansa and that factor, you know, you look at how, you know, Brandon Stark, the wild wolf, and too young and too gone, Rob was supposed to be the heir. He was supposed to have led the house, gone too young. You know, he made rash decisions and he made some not so rash, and same with Brandon, but he made very, very rash decisions. Mm-hmm. So poor Ned and poor Benjamin. Benjamin knew. Benjamin went to the Night's Watch. I mean, he, George has said Benjamin joined the Night's Watch after Ned came home with Leanna's Bones. So. So, I think we all know. Benjamin. Benjamin. What do you
0: think about the. Uh,
3: what I took from the, the two different generations was sort of like a play on the winter's coming. Obviously, like winter's coming, we know what it means. But what I really saw it as was the, that the lies and the betrayals and the, everything from one generation will lead into the next. So like when you look at like the sort of, I mean obviously the detail different, but like the tragedies and everything that they're having to face are the same as mm-hmm. before. So, you know, is winter is coming really, you know, just sort of talking about the ridiculous long seasons that don't make physics sense? Uh, or is it really just the fact that the Game of Thrones is always going to be self-perpetuating and that we can see that looking at the two different generations? And yeah. that's what I took away from it.
1: Oh, uh, Lenna Tyrell even says, you know, when she's talking to Marjorie in the TV show about, or she's talking to Marjorie's handmaidens and cousins. She's saying, you know, talking about house words, and she says, "Winter is coming." Now, there's a there's a motto, you know. These other words are all silly, you know, but that's a that's a slogan right there. And it's more of, it's not really even a house words or house slogan. It's a warning. It is a warning yeah. to the future Starks, you know their duty is always to guard the north and be the wardens of the north and be the keepers in the north and offering that protection to refugees that need it and fighting against the long night. And I think, especially with some of the spin-offs that are coming out and with all this prehistory that we have now from the world of ice and fire, I think we're going to see a lot of that in the future, especially in season eight and in the next book. Um, I guess
2: uh, this sort of goes back to Stannis and the comment about... Uh, who well, I think I think is connected to the starts through through Rickon, and I think it comes from with the the Jane Poole switcheroo uh that one of the Manderleys told Davos that if if we're gonna if Stannis is gonna win the north, he needs Rickon with
3: his dog as like a proof of identity, yep. and like I think that's gonna I think that's the payoff. From that storyline. Now, obviously, I think Thrones is also in the kingdom. Oh, here's a really interesting storyline. Oh, wait, the, the, the character's dead now. So maybe
2: not, but I don't know. It, it could be an interesting what if, right? It could, And there's a lot of scenarios. And we just talked about, you know, what if these people didn't die? What if these people stayed alive? What if Rickon came back? You know, it's an interesting story. What if Rickon came back? Does that start the northern civil war? You know, what, what happens when he comes back? Or if he comes back without the dog, you know, well, and he looks like a feral child dressed in furs, you know, with some human meat on his shoulder. You know, how do you know this isn't just some Skagosi kid? I mean, so there's there's a lot of possibilities, but I, I just, you know, like we've talked about, don't think it's going to be a major plot point at this point.
1: Plus, like, winter is coming. Like, it's happening soon. There's no time for the Civil War nonsense to happen. So, I mean, if they got to cut some people down, they got to cut some people down, I guess. I guess.
0: That's how we raise. <laughs> a question, does anybody... Does anybody okay. have a microphone? Oh, so Just like making sure. Front, front oh. oh, sorry. No, no,
2: you're good, you're good. No. Oh, yeah, go Your thoughts on what, like, what happened to Jane Poole I'm and Tyrone being kind of an allegory for being a Stark?
0: Hmm. Okay. Did, I, yeah. uh, did I miss the…
2: No, Jane, the question was, Jane Poole as an allegory for being a Stark.
0: Kind of what happened to
2: her and Rick i I'm not Rick and… Theon. Theon. Theon, yeah.
1: Also, it's a lot of, like, you, you you know stand in the sun too long, you're going to get burnt, and you sit around with the Starks and be their friends, you know, you're, and especially that goes with the Highborns playing their Game of Thrones. I mean, right. obviously Sansa didn't ask for this. In fact, in a Game of Thrones in the chapter that where Jane basically gets decided, it's really, if you reread it, it's the most disgusting little passage because Sansa, you know, she comes to Cersei, and she's just trying to keep her courtesies and go, oh, like, excuse me, Cersei, ma'am, queen, ma'am, uh... Please, my friend has been crying a lot and what's with her dad, and we just want to know if he's where he is and if he's okay, and Cersei just goes, Oh, we can't have that being a thing. Hey little finger, please take care of that. Right? Like, please just get rid of this chick. Like, do something about it. And I mean, which is a big like overarching statement on the government and like people in feudal positions of power and like saying, like, uh, just take care of it, figure it out, and then it's obviously getting very mismanaged. Uh, <laughs> I know you're not actually him, but you know, you <laughs> wore this out that you did this. Yeah. <laughs> so I do think, like, these people that wanted to be Starks and people that put stock, like Theon, you know, I mean, he he obviously has had way more than comeuppance for his behavior of what he did. Uh, and honestly, he didn't owe the Starks anything. He was never really treated like, yeah, he was treated well. He was treated as a highborn that was in their house as a quote unquote ward, but he knew there was a sword in his back every day. He knew that if his dad slipped something up, you know, and started a new war and didn't give a crap about him. I mean, I play a lot of Crusader Kings too, but I came with Bronson. If you like start a war with someone else's house and your kid is there, like if you keep trying to marry your kids to the Targaryens over and over again, uh, they will just kill your kid. You know, like they're dead. That's just how it goes. Like, oh, you're gonna start some crap? Okay, well it's a blood debt. So that's what Theon's being held as. So. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of depressing everything that happens to him and how he ends up, but it's amazing that he holds on to that kind of stark loyalty-inspired resilience through it all because if there's one thing that Starks inspire in this story, it's loyalty. I mean, when you read The Red Wedding, you sit there and you just go, Oh my God, dude. That's our people, and they just die. Like, that's our protagonists. That's
2: our good guys. But but resilience, because in, especially if you go into the history, and I'm not going to go into all the stories, but I mean, they even t- say you know, there's so many times when the Stark line was like an inch from being extinguished, or you know, right about to be ended. You know, whether it's through a civil war with the Boltons, or you know, for example, if they would resisted Aegon when he came with his dragons and gotten filleted, you know, that would have <laughs> been that would have been the end of the Starks but they've persevered for thousands of years and they're resilient. So that, that's one thing that shows, like Jane Poole, she's still around, despite everything she's been through. Well,
0: I mean, and they're resilient because um, I, if any of them actually pay attention to their words, and honestly, a lot of them do, their their whole thing is about preparedness. Mm-hmm. So. Correct,
5: yeah. Ice preserves.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we got one over here. Yep, yep.
4: Yep. one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So I just
6: wanted to sort of bring it back to the title of the panel. So there must always be a Stark in Winterfell. And there are suggestions
5: of um, magical
0: and non-magical reasons for this. So I just wanted to ask you all why. Why must there always be a Stark in Winterfell? What do you think? No. No?
2: Yeah. No? Yeah. That's real meta. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I have no idea. It could be because the loony theory that there's dragon eggs under Winterfell. We,
0: all, we don't know. We,
2: we really don't know.
1: Yeah, there could be something magical. I do like those kind of connotations, especially because the crypts have always had that eerie magicalness about them. We know there's all the theories like there could be a stone dragon. They're like, what's going on in Lyanna's crypt? Uh, Which the correct answer there's a really great theory that just came out by someone. uh, They put it on Reddit. Her username is Paparazzi. She's a good buddy of mine. But uh, Lyanna's tomb has Aegon the Fifth, Aegon the Unlikely's Targaryen ring in it to identify that he would use to identify himself in the Dunkin' Egg novellas. And that's what was in there for Jon that's kind of a little side bit. But even the magical, I mean, the hot springs under Winterfell. You know, like all this weird, what's going on with Winterfell? Truly, really, no one knows. Uh, I think it really just boils down to, and we see this revolt happening. I mean, we see the Boltons have Winterfell, and you can have your fake Arya Stark, and you can pressure around in a you know, gray dress with white little wolves all over it all day long, right? But it, it's not a Stark rule in Winterfell. Right now, Winterfell's not ruled by a Stark, and the North is in mayhem. And, like, on earlier, someone had mentioned about that Grand Northern Conspiracy. It really isn't a Grand Northern Conspiracy because I don't think they're all teaming up, but they all just want the Boltons out, dude. All of them are like, this is awful. We got to get these guys out of
0: here. I mean, and it's almost like the castle itself doesn't want them there. Yeah, almost
1: like the whole, like, Hall curse or, like, the Defense Mm -hmm. Against the Dark Arts curse, you
0: know? If it's not a Stark, then you can't hold it, sorry.
4: That um, obviously not the shows now, but in the books, the Starks may rise from their grips and take their sword theory,
6: and their stone daughter wolves and go and attack. <sighs> so
5: so does not mean are white, the white stuff?
1: Yeah, what does it mean? Yeah. Like, I love that theory. I don't know if it's really, like, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I think it would be really cool. It would be <laughs> cool. And it's a very huge fantasy aspect, right? We have to remember this is high fantasy. It's very fantasy. And we're going to see a lot more of that in The Winds of Winter. I mean... It's coming, you know, we know the end of the last, like, book, we, it, it's happening soon. There's going to be ice zombies everywhere, you know, it's, it's going to come faster. Magic is more and more and more incorporated. We see Bran with his blood sacrificing visions in A Dance with Dragons. We see all of that. So, it, more and more, we could see that. It might actually happen. I do like that idea, especially because there's so much language, especially in the books, about, like, the eerie feeling when you're in the crypts, like, they're watching you and all that. So, I would love to see that. There's a really cool fan art. I don't remember who it's by, of Arya in the Crypts with Ned's statue, different statues coming to life around her, and like whites coming on, and others coming on toward her. And it's a cool fan art. I'm like, oh, that'd be cool. It'd be cool to see. I don't know if it'll happen. I kind of doubt it'll happen, but I want it yeah. to. Now um, I kind of want it to. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love the idea so. of like it, the, the, especially the ones that they already took the swords from, that yes. it might be like their ghosts haunting <laughs> Winterfell. Obviously, we know that there's people you know, causing the mayhem that's there, but I do love that little theory. Um, yeah, I was going to say, we, we, we might have time for, like, one more question, so does anybody already have a mic? Oh, no. Or yeah. someone have... In the back. A... Back? Where? Right oh, here. we got one right here. Or, but, okay. Sorry, I, I... can't... <laughs> I'm yeah, right. uh, think I can't see, with, like...
4: Uh, Aria, um, and her of faces and her,
0: her kill list... <laughs>
4: You
0: think that she's gonna be the gonna I mean she is a little sibling, but I still think it's gonna be Jamie. She's a candidate,
2: but I, we yeah, Jamie's my pick. What do you yeah. think? Yeah. Absolutely. Jamie. Okay. Yeah,
1: it, it's
0: Jamie.
1: But I like that idea. Are I mean what what do we think? Let's say what do you think your REM game is, everyone? What would you say? What can you see? Of the what? Of like how
0: Arya? How Arya's Arya's Arya Aryan. dies?
1: Obviously Whoa! Whoa. I, 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 I'm pretty
0: yeah. sure you just said Aryan. <laughs> that's oh, what no. I heard. So no, I was no. like Arya wrong Arya. panel. So the question <laughs> is, how does Arya die?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I didn't. I. I don't necessarily see. You know, Arya dying. Honestly, oh, okay, I see that's, her that's leaving Westeros. You know, definitely, but not necessarily dying. Um, I mean, because first of all, again, like she's different from all of the Stark children in that she. While she goes back to her home and she doesn't reject it she's establishing herself independent of the family unlike the rest so i see her as like an amazing plot device for you know the next generation of you know starks and like you know the fact that they would have a ally elsewhere that could you know come back later like as
2: a faceless man or yeah Yeah. okay um
0: yeah i i don't see her i don't see her dying partially because uh, George's mm-hmm. wife told him that she couldn't, and partially, like <laughs> uh, uh, the actress actually posted like a like an Instagram pic or something of like her kind of with like a last person like a last man standing sort of caption. And I know that that's probably like she, she's being you know facetious or whatever, but I, she's got to still be alive at the end of it. So, um, but yeah, we are we are at the end. Uh, but thank you guys for coming. Thank you for your great questions. Uh, again, don't forget to rate in the app, and uh, also as always, don't forget the literacy. Action charity, so make sure to donate this weekend. Yes. Thank donate. you, everyone. Thank you. Come party with us tonight. Yeah. yeah. 10 p.m. North remembers. Thank you for listening to Tara Lynn's A Geek Saga podcast. If you like what you heard, please check out my website, ageeksaga.com, or consider supporting me on Patreon at patreoncom saga